Hey, welcome to the show and thank you for checking us out. If you have not yet done so, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, or you can also follow us on social media or Spotify. Uh, We've got a jam-packed episode for you today. It is a little bit longer, uh, but we had some really great discussions in my opinion. And we're going to discuss some of the biggest news stories of the year. And you're going to get our takes on them. And it's four different people with four sets of opinions. And I specifically handpicked these people for this episode because I believe that they have unique takes on things and are all very intelligent. And remember, we're going to be discussing some heavy topics. And we're throwing out these opinions that you may agree with or you may disagree with some of them. But the important thing to remember is that these are just one person's opinions. And... I try to see everyone's side of things. So if you have your own opinion, please feel free to comment on YouTube or social media. Uh, But please just be respectful. And uh, other than that, thank you and enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome to the year-end wrap-up show. We're going to talk all about 2021. Uh, Go ahead and introduce everybody. So up to my left here is Billy Harfosh from iHeartRadio. How are you doing, Billy? Good, good. Happy to be back, Chuck. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. And then down the b- bottom corner is, uh, you just go up Matthew W., right? Are we still doing? Uh, we can do Matthew Williams at this point. Fuck Ooh, it. You know, oh, I'm unemployable okay. anyway. So. All right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Matthew from uh, West Coast Radio, welcome. And Al Jackson from Daily Blast Live. How you doing, Al? What's up? I, I like how you said I'm unemployable and next to him in his shot, there's a paddle that says fuck off on it. I, <laughs> That's my kind of, you're, you're my kind of employee. How about that? <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. He's, he's going all in. So, uh, yeah, so let's just, let, let's speaking of going all in, let's just do it. Let's go all in. We're going to re, re, recap the entire year, which uh, there was a lot of crazy stuff. I don't think it was as crazy as 2021 or 2020, but uh, 2021 has had some interesting turns as well. Would you all agree yeah. with that? Yeah, I'd say the year kicked off with a, with a twist. On the sixth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the mob the mob storms the Capitol. Uh, I've heard people call it an insurrection. I called it a big jerk off fest. And uh, it just, you know, so it's interesting to see. I don't think I have Republican friends. I have Democrat friends. I don't think anybody was like pro whatever this thing with this giant jerk off session was. But um, I heard the latest thing on this is they're going to co- commemorate it or something. Yeah. It's- Biden administration is going to be commemorating it. Uh, I guess this is going to be a new thing every year, like kind of like we do on 9-11, whether you agree or disagree with that. Uh, you know, I think it's it was a terrible thing. We can all agree yeah, on that. But yeah. it's like, why relive it? Why rehash it? Why give bad actors more ideas? It's kind of like it goes to like school shootings. I always say, don't release the name of the shooter. Don't cover it. There should be a law against that. We don't need to rehash bad things. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, well, Matthew, what do you think? Well, I, I've, I thought of a solution, and I think I told you about this already, but if you want to fix it and make sure that nobody ever gets hurt in a situation like that, um, and I'm not, I'm not kidding either. I think what you do is underneath every congressperson's seat or whatever, you put two Confederate flags and a Make America Great Again hat. If people storm you, you put that shit on, you wave the flag, put your head down, you'll be all right. <laughs> That's like the, uh, what is it, the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode? Yeah. When he can't get a table, you know, he, can't, he doesn't want to sit next to people. He just puts on his MAGA hat and everybody just kind of goes away. Not a bad mm-hmm. idea. Okay. He's a smart guy, that Matthew. Al, what do you think? Man, I mean, it, it's a couple things. I think for me, the insur- it, with the insurrection, it wasn't, you know, what happened. You could you could feel that. Like, you, you remember, like, in high school, like, when there'd be a fight, you could feel it building. Like, people exchanging words or eventually, or even at a bar, you feel it building. I felt that, that, uh, that kind of tension because, you know, on the show that I do, we get comments in real time. 
And honestly, what I I did take away from that is I, I feel like a lot of people feel like they were doing the right thing. And it hit me like when you're watching a movie and it's like, you know, there's like a, an underground rebel force and they're they're going against the 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 larger imposing evil force. They think they're doing good. They don't think that they're insurrectionists. If you did Star Wars, like they're they're basically using guerrilla tactics as insurrectionists, but they don't feel they they're not presented like that in in their heads. They're the good guys. And I think a lot of those people climbing the walls felt like they were going to they felt like they've been, you know, their democracy is being threatened and they were the good guys. So it was like this weird position where I was like, I felt really sorry for a lot of those people because I know the people that helped organize it won't have any consequences, but the people that are broke wearing like a Coles jacket with $300 in their account that now have to defend themselves with whatever lawyer you get for $300 or whatever. Like I felt like, and I feel like the QAnon shaman was that just a weird guy that got radicalized online. And then he's now the face of this movement that he didn't help organize. He's just a dude that's dressed crazy. But I mean, if he was at a Vikings game, would he be dressed that crazy? <laughs> you, know, you know, like yeah. it's really, he's just a, a guy almost doing cosplay, but he <laughs> is what most people think of when they think of the insurrection. Well, really, he's just a dude. Uh-huh. Like he didn't do anything. Like he, he, didn't a, he was a failed, if you know his story, he was obviously from Arizona. He was a failed actor. I guess we call him a failed <clears throat> actor. And I got the chance. I used to I used to talk to him all the time because I cover all the political events and the, the wow. events and everything. So I, I talked to him many times and I, I always tell people, honest to God, he seemed very normal, very sober. Like, obviously, he was dressed up and he had a hat with a sign that said I'm with Q. But he never struck me as a person that would have done something like that. And I, I think to your point. It's tribalism. It's a mob mentality. Like you said, in a bar, it's in high school. It's like, oh, well, that guy did it. That guy threw a punch. That guy broke a window. I guess we can all go do it. Right. And uh, unfortunately, that's what we saw there. And one thing I'll add, I I disagree. I think people are beginning to be held accountable, not just the people that, you know, were actually physically in there and, and committed violence, but the people that might have organized it or might have not organized it, whatever, however you fall there. You know, you're seeing text messages come out to Mark Meadows from like people at Fox News saying, hey, the president needs to stop this ASAP. So I think there's a lot more to come there. But uh, I interviewed just days before January 6th, Roger Stone. I flew to Florida. I interviewed Roger Stone and he told me off the record and on the record. I don't think I'm speaking on a turn here that there are American patriots that are traveling as we speak to Washington, D.C. from every corner of this nation. And they're going to protest the hell out of this election. Now, to me, I just thought it was just going to be a big protest. I'm not sure that any of those people that day really believed they were going to get into and breach the Capitol building. I could be wrong. I agree with you. I think it's just that mob mentality. And it's a very dangerous thing as humans. For sure. It's like a cult. I think it's just like people get wrapped up in it. And and Al's right. It's like, you think you think you're doing the right thing. You think you're saving America, but it's like, and then you even talk to these guys now and they're like, Oh, uh, I can I have a redo on that one? <laughs> yeah, like, I it's think a, starting, some a lot of them are starting to see the light. Yeah, I think it's hard for people, and I'm assuming that we're all kind of busy adults that like this is something we cover for work or kind of talk with friends about casually, but then we we have a thought about it and we keep it moving. I have three kids, I have three jobs, I don't have time to think about this kind of stuff. But if you're a person 
that for the last two and a half, three years has been online four and a half, five hours a day, maybe more than that, earning kind of social credit in this new kind of tribe that you're in, talking about it, memes, stuff Biden's doing, uh, you know, conspiratorial stuff. And then you look up and you're there. You're in front of the Capitol. You can smell the air. You see the people around you. Somebody says, hey, there's a hole in the fence or we're climbing the wall. Come on, let's go. And I think all those people were overcome with like, yo, this is this stuff I've talked about for hours is here. And I think like they all got swept up and it it appears that they kind of realized later because then they started running. Some people (laughs) started, you know, uh, you know, some people left the country and got caught. But I think at the moment, I think a lot of people just got swept up in this this thing that was something that they probably did as a goof, but then became the center point of their life. Al Al is exactly right on that. I'm going to be in a textbook someday. Like this is history. I'm, I'm, I'm saving our democracy. This is the mindset of those people. And again, it's that mob mentality. That's very, it's really dangerous. Uh, it's just embarrassing though. Like imagine looking at in from that as from another country and seeing yeah. that and going, what the hell's going on in America? <laughs> it's embarrassing. One thing though, for me that, and this is not to defend them at all, but uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of young. So I haven't seen that many elections or really been mature enough to really pay attention to them. But I do want to say, just from an, an optics point of view. Now, I believe that the election was fair and all that shit, but at the same time, it was kind of strange in the fact that up until around 8 p.m. Seattle time, at least, it the numbers look like Trump won. And then overnight, everybody goes to bed. We wake up the next day, and then the numbers are totally flipped in Biden's favor. Um, I just think from an optics point of view moving forward, is there any way to avoid something like that? Because, you know, I think of the 20%. So there, there's this thought that 20% of the nation isn't that smart. Maybe not even smart enough to vote. <laughs> I think it's but, higher than that. And it's easy to manipulate people like that. No. Easy to get them riled up. And, you know, these public relations campaigns coming in from overseas, these Facebook ads that are fucking with their heads to, to maybe alleviate some of that pressure, maybe have the election go down where we see it all play out 12 to five. And then nothing changes until the next day if you have to keep counting there. But that overnight change, I think, really messed with a lot of people's heads as well. They did that, though. They did that right here in Arizona. A lot of the the polling places where they were counting ballots, they paused and they said, look, we're still counting. We're still counting, if you remember back. And then they said, we're going to come back in the morning and recount. And then you got footage of like backpacks supposedly filled with ballots that were filled out or empty. Who knows? So even when you pause, we couldn't even get it together to have the proper security and and, and, uh, uh, viewers on both sides, both Dems, independents and Republicans to say that this is a fair election. So I it's a problem. It's a real problem. You know what we should do? We should have an app. We're all on phones. We're all hooked up. Just have an app. Do your face ID. Do a little uh, fingerprint. Vote on there all at one time and then enough with all this stuff. Well, I think I think the app makes a lot of sense, but that's the problem. They don't, I don't think either side, especially Republicans, but even Democrats want everybody voting because if everybody votes, bro, I think Bernie comes through. I mean, Bernie has a lot of support in these streets and you can get rid of popular people with like you know, super delegates and and, mm-hmm. and 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 when you start talking about, uh, you know, the Electoral College and all this kind of stuff, you can get rid of the the popular th- stuff. But I think Bernie's really popular. And I, I think when you open things up and make voting possible or easy for people that normally wouldn't vote, more, normally couldn't vote, I don't think that benefits either side. And I think either side is almost kind of the same yeah. 
a sister in a set of twins. You know, it's just it's it's only real because I mean, for as much bluster as Trump had in the rhetoric and the grabbing by the, and the Mexicans, <laughs> he really governed like a republic. The only thing he did was pass a huge tax cut. He got two conservatives on the Supreme Court. He didn't do like crazy. He didn't be like on Fridays now. Everyone has to wear red. He didn't do crazy stuff. He did Republican stuff. If he stayed off Twitter, he would have been a semi-normal mainstream Republican. Or but would he have been as popular? No. What do you think? Mm. No way. Hmm. No way. And good point about the app. Not as polarizing, though. If we had an app, then a guy like Kanye West actually might win. Like if it's, <laughs> No, but I mean, we're joking around. But if it's that easy to Al's point to vote, you're going to have people that maybe shouldn't be put in that office. And you could argue that could be Biden or Trump. Uh, but you could have serious. Then it really is a celebrity. It's a popular uh, contest. So it could uh, be a YouTuber at that point. I mean, really, because <laughs> TikToker, you're bringing in 18 year olds that are normally like high as shit watching Adult Swim. And they're like, yeah. oh, we they, at 18, 19, you're not really caring about taxes or child tax cuts. So right. you and your boys might be like, well, let's put Flavor Flav in the White House. Who cares? <laughs> right. And it could like it. Look what they did to the AMC stock. That's what that's the next story I was going to bring up. So, yeah, the, the game stock and the AMC thing. That was the next thing that big story that happened in January. I don't even know if I understand this. I think I've tried to understand it. My dad is a financial advisor. He doesn't he could. He's like, find somebody who deals with stocks. He's like, I don't deal with that. So does, it, does anyone understand what happened here? I know basically they they pumped the stock up and they got and then they kind of screwed the company, screwed some people over. Right. I'm still holding, bro. Diamond hands. I'm still holding GME. To the moon. Are you really? To the moon, baby. He knows. West Coast Radio knows all about it. To (laughs) the moon. This is the only way we can fight the system. The system, the hedge funds have been screwing us forever. And finally, a group of people on the internet, right? Reddit, Wall Street bets, what Chuck's talking about, got together and said, you know what? Let's just do this as a goof. And the goof became real. People became millionaires. People also became bankrupt. And you got guys like me in the middle that are just still holding one more pump, baby. Really? Okay, so like I, I think I understand what happened. Why didn't you uh, cash out? You think it's it's gonna come back or what? Let, I'm curious. Yeah. Pure pure stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course you look at where it was, but, but who knows? Everyone like he just said to the moon. So I'm on Reddit just like everyone else, and everyone's like, "This thing's going to five thousand. This thing's going to." And I'm thinking, "Oh my god, I'm gonna get rich." But didn't it start dropping? Isn't that yeah, when you would? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Still holding. Okay. All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, rich people, millionaires. I wait, Chuck. Can I ask one question? Because I want to ask Mike. Because he's a young dude. Wouldn't Matt? I'm I'm 44, so you know I don't expect as much from the country. But were you, as a young person, that's about to embark on your your working life and and invest in this country? I'm assuming as a homeowner and all that good stuff. Did it turn you off that like the one time that like it seemed like your generation got the upper hand of the generation that caused you guys lazy, all that kind of stuff? (laughs) Y'all got together. You beat their ass at their own system, got the uh, I believe it's Blockbuster and AMC stock up and they just shut the stock market off for a little while, which I was like, how do you even do that? Mm -hmm. And then like, you, you know, I feel like it was really shady what they Robin Hood stopped paying out. Yeah. Do you did that make you feel defeated? Like, dude, even when me is a, a, a the the little guy, we're all the little guy. But like, when the little guy wins, the system will just reset and no one gets paid. 
Are you talking to Are you talking to me or yes, um, Matthew? Yes. Okay. Oh, Matthew. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. You know, I I don't feel so optimistic about ultimate power. You know that that dude had fuck you power. What can you do? Like um, like Aaron Rodgers with the vaccine, or he he didn't get vaccinated. He lied about it, but he's got fuck you talent. So yeah. I think in in some ways I feel point. hopeless. You know, I feel I feel like what can you do? Um, but also the opportunity I I saw in GameStop was. To me and my friends, we talked about it like surfing. So you see this wave coming. And like you said, you want to you want to catch the wave and cash out before before you lose any money. And so you saw that happen with GameStop. You saw that happen with AMC. And so for me, I thought, okay, now that we know the game is rigged, we're going to get fucked if you hold too long anyway, just surf it. So try to try to cash in, cash out. Um, you know, I don't have enough money to make a ton of profit, but a little bit. And um it actually didn't end up working out for me because the the wave I caught was Shiba Shiba Inu, and I'm getting yeah. fucked on that right now. So, um, you know, um, I, I wasn't too disappointed or too surprised in that move. You know, if you got fuck you power, you'll use it in America. And I ask a question real quick to West Coast Radio since he is the young buck on this uh, show today. Are you involved in any of these cryptocurrencies and and more importantly, this this NFTs and stuff? Because I, I try, I I swear, man, I go down rabbit holes at night on YouTube. I try to understand the NFTs. I think I know what they are. I have no way, uh, no idea how to monetize them. Guys and gals your age, I mean, they're into this stuff. Are you into this stuff? I don't think the smart ones are. I, I think this is. I think this is <laughs> okay. money laundering. I'm pretty sure this is like. <laughs> but people are making real money on this, correct? It's a Ponzi scheme. I think that's. I think it's. I think it's a rich guy pride thing. Like, I mean, Snoop Dogg bought a million dollar home in the metaverse. And all right, this stuff, right. it's, it's like, all, what is that? Yeah. it's, it's, you're right. It's kind of money laundering, but I also think it's kind of like a, a rich guy thing. Like maybe, you know, like, Oh, I, I have this NFT. Like if you just have fuck you money, then I guess you could buy it. But I think for an average Joe, I don't know what you do with it. Like I have a buddy who bought uh, star Wars NFTs. Like it's one of the first star Wars NFTs. And he's showing me like, it's just like a, it looks like a JPEG. I'm like, I mean, okay, I have a JPEG of it too now. I don't know how is this different. I don't. You're get right. It. Well, that's the meme now. The meme is you just screenshot an NFT that you know somebody paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars for. What I think is interesting is not so much the photo NFTs, but the um the fact that you can buy land in the metaverse now is mm. that that to me is interesting because you have to assume that somebody owns their own they own the land in the first place. Um, also, if you're buying land, I would assume it's you only have a certain amount of it in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you're buying something like uh, one square foot of sand, I think some people are like buying digital sand, then that I would assume means there's only a certain amount of metaverse. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth anything. Um, this is going to change everything, I think. This is going to be this is going to catapult us into some weird shit. And um, can I go on just a real quick tangent about that? It'll take like sure. two Please. minutes. Please. All the old Educate dudes are like all, listening like, what people? now? <laughs> Yeah, we're think about think about this for a second. I think that, um, and I'm just going to give one example about death. I think that our relationship with death is going to change forever when it comes to the metaverse. And so, um, when we're talking right now, let's say we we slap on some Google or some type of goggles or whatever, we go into this metaverse and we have the same conversation. And I use these mannerisms when I talk. I have a certain way of inflection. Um, and that can all be recorded right now. You can't record. There's no data in what I'm doing right now, but we go into the metaverse. Everything I do is being recorded into data. Mm -hmm. So let's say you spend three hours with somebody every week in the metaverse, and that goes on for one, two, three years. Well, eventually there's going to be enough data where if I die, you can sort of simulate me, you know, and, and there are a lot of people that have unhealthy relationships with uh, a relationship ending, whether that be a, a girlfriend or whether that be losing somebody. Um, to the afterlife, whatever it is. 
But that's just one example of how this metaverse thing is going to change what we know about and, and literally everything. Um, and so that that one death example, you won't have to say goodbye to somebody really, you know, after a certain point. That's some that's scary not, stuff, though. Can I can I ask uh, Matthew a question real quick? With the with the risk of sounding like Good Morning America, what was it like 20, 25 years ago? You see that clip when they're talking about email and the internet, and they're like, they're, they're so, like, what's that symbol? Yeah, so, yeah, it's how if you ha- <laughs> it's awesome. For our listeners and viewers, if you haven't seen it, just Google it right now. They're like, what is internet? And it's it's ridiculous. So this is probably how I'm going to sound right now. But if this metaverse thing is going to go down, and obviously it is, you got Zucks behind it, a lot of money behind it. Being an early adopter, how can we capitalize on this? I'm not talking about a social currency or really a financial currency, but how can we be early adopters in the metaverse? Because we're we're living through it right now, and it's gonna it's gonna launch, I guess. What should we be doing right now to educate ourselves and to get involved in this thing? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know the potential down the line. I think it's too early to really give a clear answer. But uh, radio, Howard Stern changed my life. You know, I listen to Howard Stern every single day. Uh, the old shit, not the new shit, because that's dog shit. But uh, <laughs> I, I listen to Howard Stern all the time. And one of the things that Howard Stern did for me is he plucked me out of my world into his studio. That's the magic of who he is. In the future, like, you know, your your radio show or your television show, I can be there with you now. I just put the goggles on and I can have the conversation with you. So I think that's right around the corner. Instead of you having listeners just listening to you, they can now join you in the iHeartRadio studio, you know, in the DBL studio. So, I mean, I would say that that is where I would try to make my next move. Um, I don't know how that would go down at all. But everything is going to change in that regard. I don't think people will have to go to the office anymore. You know, there can be software developed where you make a fake office. So I think that's the first step in the metaverse and how it's going to change the world. See, this scares the shit out of me because I think we're already so far removed from reality. And that's why you're seeing these nutty things going on and stuff because people are they're not in reality. They're online too much. They're in these uh, bubbles and they're not seeing the real world. If this happens, this could be the end of society. I I would say. I would say this, though, Chuck, I would say that they're not in your reality, but you know whose reality they probably would be in my kids, because mm-hmm. my kids don't have uh, who are 14, uh, 14, 13 and seven. They don't have these preset determined. Ideals, uh, ideas of what the world is, you and I are like, dude, what are you talking about? Like when you're with somebody, you want to hold their hand and hug them and kiss them. but these kids don't have that instinct. Their whole lives have been online. When they interact with somebody they they think is hot, they talk to them online. When they talk to their 90-year-old aunt, they talk to them over Zoom or, or Portal. So the idea of what is real and what is not, I think is going away. And I feel like we lost the, we changed a little bit with, you know, West Coast generation in that they were the first generation that seems like they don't give a shit about owning anything. Like for us, it would be like, dude, I'm not letting anybody use my car, but they don't mind using their car as a taxi. There's other things where you drop your car off and let people drive for the weekend and get paid and come back. Your house is now half a hotel. Like no one cares. They don't. Whereas I'm like, I don't want anybody sleeping in my sheets. They don't feel like they're they're like, it's a bed. Shut up. It's okay. Where I'm like, if somebody slept in my bed, I would burn it, you know, because I'm old. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's a different mentality. Yeah, he's right. Can I just say one word before you move on here, Chuck, just about this whole metaverse? One word, porn. 
Well, yeah, no, I was, that's what I was saying. So there's a lot of people right now. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people who that's, will never. That's what I'm saying. They're never going to leave. There's a reason well, China is banning all this why shit. Why do I need a real life girlfriend? Or Nobody's going to leave their house. Porn. People oh, can have sex that. with somebody beautiful. I mean, for, for you can be anything you want. I can be Howard. You're talking about having a conversation with Howard Stern. I can be Howard Stern, a, a sure. good looking version of Howard Stern. Sure. Yeah. But I'd be the richest that, Howard Stern. That, that porn thing got to me a lot. I was thinking about it a lot because, you know, sex is an, an incredibly powerful thing. And yeah. there's a lot of people who will never get to experience in real life sexual contact with somebody gorgeous. That's just the fact of the matter. You won't have that. Absolutely. But that, that changes now. And if you have access to sex with a gorgeous person and, you know, let's say you're a Casanova with words, but not looks, you jump into the metaverse. Now you look gorgeous. You look beautiful. And you can, you have that Casanova tongue. Why would you go back into the real world? No, I think it's going to be addicting for a lot of young people and probably some middle-aged and old people too. But I just think it's dangerous because if so many, if we all are in the metaverse and then reality is happening, China's going to just come over and drop a bomb on us. And we're, that, we're done. That's the end of it, right? I mean, there could be some dangers to everyone being in the metaverse. Somebody's got to be like running things and I taking care of health. like growing food and personal health issues. I mean, if you're in the metaverse and you got this banging ass girlfriend and you're making a Dogecoin and you have a beautiful mansion and you're in some, you know, your mama's basement, you're just in bed all day, just eating Cheetos. I mean, personal health at the end of the day, I understand your point uh, about Matthew, about death, but it, you got to stay alive right in the real world. But why do I want to eat healthy or exercise or go out into the real world when my meta world is way cooler than my real world? But be, I, I think you've just made your own point against yourself. I think that's why you stay in shape because we look at our, our nation's poor now and we kind of judge them, I feel like. And we might, we're like, look how fat they are. They're eating Cheetos and, you know, that Burger King two for five and all that kind of stuff. And people never say they might be, why don't they eat healthier? Because their lives fucking suck and they don't care. And that Burger King is the only six minutes of their day that doesn't suck. But if you have a super hot six foot one, half French, half Korean model girlfriend (laughs) online. Very specific, Al. In your, yeah, in your, mansion overlooking the palisades or or saint tropez right dude you're going to be doing you're going to be on the elliptical just so you can live another day to see her again fair maybe enough. I, I, fair enough. i guess i just didn't understand that your physical being is also who you are in the metaverse i guess i didn't understand I didn't well, maybe know. it's like we where you, you know, know the nintendo Wii, where you're exercising but you're in like a video game i don't know maybe. anyways you can be whatever you want i mean it's you can create it whatever you can imagine that's right. interesting I, I cannot wait to look back on this show about 5 10 15 years from now just this portion of oh, it oh yeah because we'll be we're going to all sound probably maybe Matthew sounds pretty good, but I'm going to sound like a complete idiot. Like, who is this Billy Arfaj? I mean, they didn't even know Metaverse. Totally. Anyways. anyways, Uh, I'll tell you this really quickly, Billy, just talking about feeling silly. I remember because I started my career probably 14 years ago as a stand-up comic. I was still teaching middle school. And I remember about eh, four years into my career, uh, a couple of people come in and be like, Cause I'd be like, Oh, what, what do you want your credits to be? Uh, and they'd be like, you know, most of the time it'd be like, you know, comedy central showtime, whatever. And people started telling me, uh, say I have this podcast. And I remember in my head going, dude, 
I'm going to look ridiculous saying that weird word into a microphone. Like I had never heard the word. Po- I was like, what the hell is a, I was like, okay, I'll say it. The podcast. You want me to say that? Okay. And now, it's like, you know, you look at Joe Rogan, who's the, the fourth most powerful man in the world mm-hmm. from a podcast. So it's, yeah. you know, it catches up quick. It's crazy. Yeah. Can, it's I, crazy. can I ask Billy a question real quick? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot, we're not hey, going to get through the, the whole year yeah, we're here. We're still in like January. Some this of us can't gonna... wake up in the morning. <laughs> I love this. this is a great conversation. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, what is it like to be in the presence of somebody with the type of character that Roger Stone has? Oh, I thought you were talking mm. about Chuck Shoot because I am in Chuck Shoot. <laughs> yeah. Right you know, he's right next I to get, me. I, I, so I interview a lot of characters, you know, um, but usually the characters aren't necessarily politicians, right? They're usually, uh, you know, in Al's business, they're comedians, they're actors, they're uh, celebrities, whatever. He is a he is a charismatic dude, and a lot of people that make it to um, fame are very charismatic, and that's the reason they're famous, right? The thing with Roger is he also has a political bend. He also has a Nixon tattoo. He also uh, has dived in the murky waters of politics in Washington for many, many years, for decades, really. He is a. Uh, I can see why people love him, and I can see why people hate him. I spent the whole day with him and, and, and man to man, I like him. You know, I got his number. I, I text him once in a while. He's great. Now, uh, if I was running for governor of Arizona, would I have him advising my campaign? No. Polarizing. I mean, if you think about anybody that's done anything or made any kind of name for themselves, minus the rock, I think you could have that exact same bio. People love them and people hate them. You almost have to have the equal hate to get to that next level. Because when everybody loves you, it's like, okay, but you're kind of like Betty White, you know? It's like you can't, there's nothing to really talk about there. There's nothing to bite into. But if you are Joe Rogan, I mean, a lot of people see him as, uh, you know, the big brother that never had this intellectual, this also in the you know, uh, mixed martial arts and we'll talk to scientists and everybody and other people see uh, a a privileged white guy who's talking out of his ass about stuff he doesn't know about. Who's right? Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It matters that everybody has an opinion. Right. And that's what that's what I think you need to get to that level. And, And Roger Stone is in that Joe Rogan level, but everybody here knows his name, and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Interesting, That's but true. Point. I think, but also, there's people that are. I mean, Roger Stone. Like, you could argue some of his ethics, and so I don't think Joe Rogan is like. You know, I mean, he's not trying to Disagreed. like fuck people over as much. Open the news, Google Joe Rogan, hit news. Look what the mainstream media is saying about Joe Rogan. They're basically calling him an. You know, they're calling him an anti-vaxer. They've right. called him a white supremacist. They've called him a right. No, but Republican. but I don't think he I don't think he's that stuff. I hope not. I mean, I don't think so either. But that's what they're calling him. Yeah, true. true. Strongly on both sides. By the way, I'd add Snoop Dogg to that yeah. list with The Rock. There's there's yeah, a couple of like them. Snoop there's Dogg. a couple of them that are pretty likable. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. if you think, I mean, well, Snoop had a murder case. Back don't forget day, that. That's true. That's right. Yeah, true. yeah there's right. A, time changes a lot of stuff, bro. It's, this uh, is now- a good transition, though. Okay, because <laughs> Tom Brady. Now we're into February. We're like halfway through the show, <laughs> we're into February. We made it to February. Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. That's insane to me. It's it's insane that he is winning Super Bowls at that age. I just saw him. I think it was last week. He was in a game and he ran for a touchdown. 
Can you imagine being the defender and you let this like 45 year old quarterback, like run into the end zone? Like that's gotta be emasculating. I mean, but how, how does he do it? I would bet my testicle just one. Um, I, I, he's, he's taking performance enhancing drugs and I think he's really good at it, but you there's so, no you way. You just lost a testicle. No, there's no way <laughs> you hold up for that long and you don't take something to keep you at least from getting injured. Now, even H, even Peyton Manning took HGH when his neck got messed up. Um, and this is not taking anything away from what he's accomplished, but you don't get to that age doing that much to your body. I don't care how pliable you are without taking something to keep you in line. Or was I, it I stem really cells? That. Cause that's also what Peyton Manning took. I thought he took mm. stem cells. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe well, wait a but, minute. When you accuse him of that performance enhancing drugs, are you saying it is a illegal yeah, substance when you get as far tested? as the NFL goes? Or are you saying it's- Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Are you saying it's something that's kind of, you know, in the gray area? No, I'm going illegal. And I think, well, I think we're going to find out a lot about his story after he retires. Um, but there's something up with him. And I also told really? Chuck before. You um, thought, you think he's an anti-vaxxer too? I don't think he got the vaccine or the, I, I also think he might be a Scientologist. We'll find that out <laughs> way later. But, uh, but also, wait, what? He what? also spends over We're going to get million... canceled for fake news now. They're going to take it off YouTube because <laughs> you just on... said Tom Brady's a Scientologist. Is with this on YouTube? Zero evidence. Is Do you have any evidence YouTube? of this? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. He also spends over a million in his defense, over a million dollars per year on his body. You've seen Tom versus time. You've seen all that. I mean, he's eating freaking avocado ice cream. He's obsessed with everything that goes in, in his body. He's working out 24 seven. He might be just one of those guys. that's just, sorry, a little different. The Herschel Walker. Yeah. Herschel Walker was like that. He didn't need any, he, he didn't need any of that other stuff. And he's to this day, he's ripped. Um, it, it's possible. I'm just saying, I think that, you know, 44 years old, it's tough to throw the ball with that type of twerk. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of issues with your elbow. I, I hurt he myself just rolling around in bed. I don't know how. I, 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 I'll say this. And I think that Tom, because I, I, if you were a prosecutor, you just presented a great case to the jury. This is my defense of Tom Brady. And I am a diehard Browns fan. So I have no dog in this fight. I'm sorry. I think, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And so here's the, the, I think Tom happened to hit at, at the perfect time in that he came in as, you, you know, an unheralded uh, rookie. So he got a chance to sit, which none of these young guys do. He then inherited a team that was already a veteran team. And he came in right around the time. Don't forget Drew Bledsoe would, uh, got hurt and the NFL started changing the rules about how you can hit quarterbacks. He also is definitely strangely obsessed with time, longevity, and football, and almost football only to the point where I'm sure it is detrimental to every other part of his life. And it's almost like when you see those 50-year-old or even 65-year-old women that do yoga for three or four hours a day and they have an eight-pack and there's they uh, people their age are in a retirement home. I think he's obsessed with his body. I think he's obsessed with health. And I think he's one of those people that's probably scared of anything after football. And he's known that his whole career. So he didn't drink. He didn't have the late nights. He didn't party it up, which a lot of these guys do. Cause like a lot of times you see athletes, they have four good years and they fall off a cliff. They got a lot of cocaine in their system. They've been drinking real heavy for four years. And that shows up when you're a pro athlete. But if you never did that and you stay at tip top shape, I think we're seeing now what the body looks like in good shape and also without sugar, which maybe mm. he's a pioneer of a sugarless movement 
where it's like, oh, you don't have to feel like shit if you don't accept sugar, which is part of every part of your diet. If you don't actively take account of it, which I do not. You think he, you think he plays till 50? No, I don't think he anyone, said he wants to do that. Here no. think it's I think he said 45. So he's probably got one more season after this season. I think that's reasonable. How many big hits have you seen? Has he taken? He I've seen I've seen him get hit, but like he gets rid of the ball so fast. That's mm-hmm. I think that's another key. Him and Peyton Manning, they drop back. Boom. They throw it. They don't sit there like Russell Wilson. I'm a big fan, but he holds onto the ball. Way or look at Lamar. Lamar Jackson just like. You cannot let these these guys are like real life Game of Thrones monsters. I know Calais Campbell. He's six nine, three hundred eighty pounds. He's a teddy bear, but he's a huge human. Mm-hmm. You cannot have that guy land on you three times before your life is no longer the same. And you know ever. what? One, one other thing about Brady, and I think in the sense you can relate him to Donald Trump in this way. If you remember when Obama was having his, uh, what was the, the white house correspondence when they used to do those mm-hmm. the funny thing, when they had a comedian up there and then right. Obama ripped Trump, right? Obama ripped Trump. And you saw it in Trump's eyes. He's like, you motherfucker. Can I say that? And I believe to this day, and a lot of people have said this, that was the moment he said, you motherfucker, I am going to be president one day. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady, you know, I saw him play in college. He got pulled out of the game. He played at Michigan. I'm from Syracuse, New York. He got pulled out of the, out of the game for Drew Henson, if you know football. I Drew remember Henson, him. Former and if you don't baseball, know Drew Henson, that, that tells you all player. you need to know. Yeah. So he, Tom Brady had a freaking chip on his shoulder when he slid in the draft, when everyone doubted him, when he looked like a, a, a skinny, fat kid. He had a chip on his shoulder, and I think he still got the same chip. And that's why you still see him performing at a high level, plus probably a little bit of drugs. Well, and especially because Belichick ditched him. He's like, oh, I don't, we don't need you. That's we'll another win. chip on the shoulder. That was oh, like, yeah. that was a big fuck you to Belichick. Last but by the way, I want to go on record and agree with Matthew. I was joking earlier. There could be something that comes out uh, a couple of years after he retires some Mexican supplements. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, can I ask, um, I don't know how many fathers we got in, on this show, but- I wonder, can you be a good dad and be as good at being a quarterback in the NFL as he is? Like, I would imagine he, you have to work so hard. This is his kids on the lips. You seen that? That's, that's true. You're good. I mean, but no, that's a good point because I think when you're, when you're really focused on one area of your life, usually another area is lacking, right? So yeah. talk about people that are, you know, that are overweight or whatever, you know, but they're, they may be good at other things or you talk about somebody who's that athletic. Tiger yeah, there's Woods, something's got to suffer. I mean, I'm, he's not probably there for every one of his kids' ball games, and you know, maybe even misses some birthdays or some anniversaries with his wife. And I mean, yeah, that's not. It's the the short answer I would say, Chuck, is no. Mm. There's yeah, only no. unless unless he number one priority right now for sure. Or, or or his priority is figuring out how to get more than 24 hours in the day. You cannot. Something has got to suffer, and as somebody that that has worked at night for his whole life and used to drink up until two years ago. It's, it's almost like somebody that's like, I want to party it up in the nightlife, but I want to be super productive during the day. It's like, no, anything you do after nine 30, 10 o'clock, depending on your age is going to start to cut into eight o'clock the next morning. Mm-hmm. And you can only have one of the two. You can party it up at night, which I used to love to do, or you can get your ass up at five in the morning, have a cup of coffee, get on your exercise bike, read the newspaper and go bust ass at work that day. But it's very difficult to do both. And it's the same with parenting. I'm sure he tells himself he's a good dad because his kids will never want for anything. His kids will never 
they'll have doors open to them that we will never have. But I guarantee you, in a couple of years when the kids are able to drink, if you got a, a beer or two into them, they'd say, I, I would have given up all that stuff to hang out with my dad more. Aww. Can I can I just say something too? I th- and I think you're exactly right. When you're when you're thinking about these really, really high performers, and I, I mentioned Tiger Woods is another one, like high performer here in golf and athletics, low performer, maybe in morals, right? He's, he's banging Perkins waitresses and everything while he's got kids and married. And so <laughs> Michael Jordan. Yeah. Michael Jordan. You look at the gambling, look at all this stuff. But um, I was, I was at an event, not to name drop, but I was at an event with Vin Diesel a couple of weeks ago and Vin Diesel was there and it was his son's birthday and it was his kid's birthday. And it was just very interesting being around them and how they interacted because Vin Diesel's son had a security detail. So when he, it was at Fuel Fest and there were all these like hot rod cars. When he wanted to go out and get like a a pretzel and a Coke and go see the car, he had a whole security detail with him. And then I observed when he came back, he didn't even reconnect with his father because dad is, you know, signing pictures, taking autographs, doing interviews. And And I started thinking like anytime when you're on that level, you're out in public, dad isn't dad. Dad is, dad is the star and it's got to do something to these kids mentally. And yeah, also, man. once you leave that event, is that on his phone a lot? I would guess he is. Is that reading scripts to see what the next Fast and Furious installment's going to bring? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Is he shooting in France some random movie for three months? Most likely. Can't have it all. You can't. You do can't have it all. That's it. A lot of those like celebrity marriages, yeah. why they break up because it's it's those guys are so driven. That's the number one thing. And that's other areas of the life suffer for sure. Well, another one that uh, another celebrity that had a big story this year was Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, she took kind of a tumble. I think uh, like there was all these stories about her workplace. The employees said it was a toxic workplace and abusive and and all this stuff. And I think she's, did she retire? Or she's going to retire. I think at the end of the year yeah. amongst all this. So what are your guys' thoughts on that whole thing? I, and I heard stories about that before, by the way, that before this yeah. thing broke about how she was difficult and then she was fake. She, you know, during the, uh, the TV audience, she's like, Hey guys. And then the cameras go off and she just like gets all grumpy and stuff. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because this was one of those where we had to cover this as a talk show they used to compete against Ellen in certain time slots. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we got the the thing like, hey, don't don't pile on or whatever. But, you know, the 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 the, the reason I love hip hop is because everything that rappers say, for the most part, there's a lot of truth in it. And that phrase that like streets is talking like you heard something, Chuck. I heard something. I got producers that, you know, worked on Dr. Phil, worked on Judge Mathis, worked everywhere like the, this business is not that big. And so if you're acting a certain kind of way, word's going to get out. And I had heard that for years. And I will say this, and I really am fascinated to get your take on this, all three of y'all. The bigger question is, what other celebrity could have survived a scandal like this? Because people, Aziz got canceled for nothing. I mean, he had a hit show. He was doing theaters. And some random chick writes a random essay on medium.com and he was gone for four years. Ellen was shattering interns, female interns, young ones for a while, abusing staff, allegedly. And she had to let go of a couple executives a year before they go off the air. 
she got a real sweetheart deal. So, hmm, well, good, good, to, good on her. But I don't know anybody that could, that was a scandal and it just kind of kept getting tamped down a little bit. But it just seems like as somebody that covers stories for a living, I see things when they're starting to go down, they get rat. Like people are still talking about Colin Kaepernick. He ain't taken a snap in four years. And he's still like right there, you know, AOC. Like, what has she done? Like Ellen was destroying people and like skated. That's amazing. Yeah, I think maybe a testament to her popularity among the people that do love her really love her. And so I guess they didn't care. And maybe they just saw it as a numbers thing. Well, the show's still getting ratings. And that's I don't know. I, I never understand why some people get, you know, quote unquote, canceled and some don't and and they lose their job and others keep it. I, I don't really understand the the math behind a lot of it. It doesn't really make sense to me. So I, there, I don't have an answer for that. There was nothing sexual in nature. There was nothing sexual in nature. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm not even hmm. saying because she's a woman or because she's a lesbian or because she can dance. There was nothing sexual in nature. A lot of people looked at it in, as She's a shitty boss. And guess what? I got one, too. She's just wow. a famous one. Great point. She's just a famous one. Yeah, I was wondering, too, because I don't know if this was the end of her contract, but I, I, I'm not sure if she did anything um, that would get her to be fired with cause. So if you can't fire hmm. someone with cause, you got to pay. The, I'm sure you'd have to pay her like ten million dollars. And I don't know how Bingo. cheap these networks are, but I do. I do hear that they're cheap. You know, um, right. so maybe they just didn't want to do the buyout. I also say that she made she made people stand outside of her office for 15 minutes and chew gum to ensure they didn't have bad breath. That's a I kinda, boss I kinda, move. I kind of respect it. I got to say, I kind of respect it. <laughs> the, she was doing. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's what I read. I, yeah, she was doing a lot of. I, look, it's like I, mind games. Yeah, well, I heard she didn't like the smell of fish, so she wouldn't let people have fish the night before, or, like make it or bring it on set. That's fine. I I read an article written um, by one of her housekeepers that said, uh, or somebody that worked on her grounds, that she would leave like toothpicks and stuff, uh, like stashed in different places of the house to make sure the maids cleaned, and like in huh. just to do. She was like if Joffrey was a talk show host, like she was like <laughs> yeah. mean, like she was, she's a hey, person hey, that's who's mean Joffrey's mean King, uh, King Joffrey from game of Thrones, the young one, the, the, oh, the mean, oh, the mean, oh. like, yeah, I mean, she seemed to take pleasure in other people's uh, pain, but I'll, let me ask you guys this. Do you think that's because she didn't get a chance to grow up in 2021 Hey, everybody, I'm gay. And everybody's like, we love you. Here's our pride flag. Come on in. Who cares? She grew up in like, you're dead to me. You're out the family. You might get beaten to death for even saying that. Dad hasn't talked to you in 11 years gay. Do you think that maybe put a chip on her shoulder? So like, if I make it. And I heard this podcast today and the guy said it was really like eye opening. I don't know. I don't even know if I agree with it, but it made me think because he was saying that anybody that you have a beef with or that you're mad about, or that's that you think is an asshole or whatever. Like if you were in their shoes, you would do exactly what they did. You would act the exact same way that they did if you had lived their life. And I was like, and I thought about that and I'm like, well, that's true. Cause they're living their life because of the, of the circumstances that they're given. So you kind of have to like put yourself in their shoes, but at the same time, I'm just like, 
it's it's frustrating to see people like that at the top. You know, I, but I, Al, you know this. She grew up in the she was she grew up in the clubs. She was yeah. she was a, she was a stand up. She was a, just like a, like struggling stand up that was really funny, that was really good, that had a following. She could she even if, take out the, the the woman aspect or the lesbian aspect. She grew up in the clubs. You know, she had to work for it. She was not an overnight success. Mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. think she wasn't, man. She was grinding. And now she's got a little coin and she's got a little attitude. So do you think that changed, though? Because it's funny when I started doing this podcast, I always thought people like big rock stars and actors. I thought they were all like they were all like that. They were these asshole people. And I mean, granted, I'm only seen a 30 or 60 minute interview, but everyone, I, most of the people I've talked to are just so they seem so kind and genuine and and nice. And I hear all these nice stories about like Alice Cooper. I mean, I, I, have, I can't tell you how many musicians I've had on who just tell rave about how great of a guy that guy is. And so it's interesting. You hear a lot more stories like that than you do mm. about the Ellen stories. And I don't know if that's just because they're more well hidden or what, but it, it's, it's interesting to see the, the, when these ones come out, you're like, Oh wow. Okay. I guess there is people like that, that, cause that's kind of always the stereotype before, you know, I started t- talking to these people it was like, Oh, the big rock star, the big TV star. That's, you know, like doing these kind of games, like making people chew gum and all this crazy stuff. Right. I, was, yep. I wonder that a lot because um, I, I wonder how much information these studios have that they sit on. Because to your point, Opie and Anthony had been shitting on Ellen all the way back to like 2004. Yeah. Um, in the talk radio circuits, no, a lot of people would shit on Ellen and say that she was kind of a jerk. So sometimes I think that maybe if you're a studio and you say, ah, I kind of want to get this person out of here. Maybe you just sit on a file with some juicy shit until you're yeah. ready to mm-hmm. use it. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I Can mean, I that, that, that makes a lot of sense, man. It it does. And, 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 and the last thing I, I'll say on that is, I'm, I, you know, Billy, you, you said something that's making, that made me think it's like, well, or, you know, maybe as you Chuck, where, where you were like, well, they live their life. So that's why they act like that. And we have to remember Yes, Ellen came up in the clubs, but she came up in a time in stand-up where there was only one porthole. And that was really like Johnny Carson late night to to be famous. Otherwise, you were just so like the competition was all funneling towards one or two goals. Where now with stand-up, you could have Amazon, Amazon special, Netflix, YouTube, uh, podcast, vlog. You could be famous on TikTok. You, you know, there's so many different areas for comics. So maybe. She came up in that era where almost like boxing, like where the heavyweight champ was like the weight classes were like 195 to infinity, where you there were just a lot more people you had to beat. Where now, like we're just like in more micro uh, weight classes where it's like, well, I can just try and be famous in the TikTok comedian green screening over a stupid commercial sector. You know, you can be a lot more specific and have less competition, yeah. if that makes sense. And then so you'd be happier because it's like, ah, they, you know, well, it chucks my competition. We both got three million followers. Who cares? You know, it's, it's not there. I'd be a tech comedian. That. that sounds great. Yeah. Um, what about uh, here's another story. So we're, I think we're at June now. So we're getting there. We're moving along. But uh, the story about the college athletes and compensation. So the Supreme Court, court ruled that the NCAA um, could not, uh, basically they, they was violating antitrust law to not pay the college athletes. So I'm kind of have mixed feelings on this. Cause I, on the one hand, I'm, I'm a capitalist. I'm all for free market, you know, and I feel like these athletes should get paid because there's a lot of money going out there and why don't they get a piece of it? But on the other hand, I feel like it might kind of ruin college sports. What do you guys think? Um, to start off, I, I did this one job interview 
um, at KLAY Radio almost 10 years ago. And it was in Lakewood, Washington. It was tiny. But one thing that I noticed there, and it always stuck out to me, was that the University of Nebraska Booster Club was paying to broadcast their games through this tiny radio station in Lakewood. And I thought, man, they must have a lot of power and money to be able to do that. So um, these boosters, I don't think any of us have a real idea of just how rich and powerful these boosters are for teams like uh, Blue Bloods, Nebraska, USC, Texas. So this name, image, and likeness thing is interesting because Oregon and Texas in particular, they're investing a billion dollars into um, they're they're doing this thing where they're investing money and it's going to get to a point where just the interest alone brings in 30 or 40 million every year. And that's going to go straight to the football team. So Texas and Oregon are pioneering this movement. Uh, but I, I mean, a billion dollars is coming from the boosters. And you're right. It's this is not going to be the same college football that we know. And one example of that is Quinn Ewers. He's the number one quarterback coming into this recruiting class. But last year he graduated high school early just so he could rob Ohio State. He goes to Ohio State, never intends to play for them. He makes five million bones. And then he says, okay, I'm going back to Texas. Thank you. After one semester, one football season. Now, right on schedule with his normal recruiting class, he's going to University of Texas and he's going to make some more millions. Um, this is this is so different. And because of how much America loves college football, it could be that a lot of players are going to make more like Tebow. He probably would have made more than most NFL players. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. So sure. this is, this is incredible to me, whether or not the consequences are good or bad. It's amazing to watch play out. Well, it's interesting that just today they said the number two recruit and I'm spacing on his name, but he was supposed to go to Florida. That was his dream school. And uh, Deion Sanders who coaches at Jackson state, pulled him and, and he's going to go, he's, he's the number two recruit in the country. He's going to Jackson state university, mm-hmm. but he, he can make money anywhere. So I guess, cause if there was one hand I was thinking it's going to screw over the small schools, but I don't think it matters. If you're a big star, you, you can play over whatever team you want. Yeah. Listen guys, we've, we've, I've been around high level college athletes. I, I worked, I interned at Syracuse university for Syracuse basketball. I grew up in a college town in Syracuse. I went to the university of Louisville. So, you know, I used to live in a place where there was some high level athletes, the highest of the high levels, you know, the guys that are on the, the Heisman watch list, you know, the point guard, they're living a pretty good life on campus. And I'm not making any allegations, but they're driving a pretty nice car. They got a little side job at the car dealership and they show up when they want. That kind of thing has been going on for a lot of years. Some schools got in trouble. Some schools haven't gotten in trouble. But my point is, one thing we're not touching on here is what about the women's rowing team? What about the women's softball team? What about the men's wrestling team? How many autographs are they going to be signing? How many uh, appearances are they going to get to do? So you really are separating the big blue blood college football, college basketballs from everyone else on campus. And guess what? Those sports could go away. That's part of the Hmm. reason we had title nine. So Hmm. if I'm a a woman's softball catcher, I ain't making any money. The star quarterback might net a million dollars. I don't know what's fair. That's just the way it's going to be, I guess. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. It's a good point. It's I'm well, you you know, you're saying like, well, what's up with the, the the crew team and the tennis team? And the answer is that football and basketball pay for it. Sure. They pay yeah, for everything. I guess that's capitalism. Then. And yeah, well, you know, uh, well, it's like, well, who's being capitalized upon? Because uh, somebody on the women's golf team at Clemson is getting a free ride through school, just like mm-hmm. the guy that got his leg shattered in the national championship game. Sure. But I think that they have both have very different things in terms of at stake. Now, here's my question, because guys, I, anytime I think about an issue like this, 
I try and look at it by just pulling almost all the way back and just looking at it from a very macro point of view. And my question to you is this, like, who, who would you say has a better, like just overall, like science curriculum? Would you say it's like, would you say like Pepperdine or like Monmouth University? Which one would you guys guess? Pepperdine? Pepperdine's got a better view. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I would guess and, Pepperdine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, we're all guessing because we don't know. And my point is, my argument is we wouldn't know about any of these schools if it wasn't for the athletics. Why do I know goofy-ass Gonzaga's name? It's because of basketball. <laughs> right, yeah. I should never right. have that, that stupid name in my head. Right. But I do because right. of their sports. True. People went to USC. When I think about USC, crazy as it sounds, I don't think about their blazing hot cheerleaders. I think about Reggie Bush, number five. Uh, West Coast, you're too young to remember when Reggie Bush would catch a swing toss, uh, toss right, toss uh, the adrenaline that would be in the, the stadium. These incredible players that how many people can we even guess went to the University of Michigan because of the Fab Five? paid that tuition as regular students and then left as alumni and paid back for the rest of their life based on what those guys did in 1991 or two or whenever the hell it was. The, the, the athletics isn't an important part of the school. It's the only part of the school. As somebody that studied biology uh, and has a degree in biology, the books are the same. It's the same stuff. Shakespeare is the same at True. Ohio State as it is the University of Dayton. The only difference is Ohio State has a better football team. There's <laughs> no difference. And they have a nicer campus because they have a better football team. And mm -hmm. they have more publicity and a bigger named president because they have a better football team. And if you take the football and basketball team away from Ohio State, take basketball away from Duke, take football away from Florida State, Florida State's of Arizona State, they're just meandering colleges. But Truth. with the sports, they are able to not only take these, quite frankly, dying towns and keep them afloat. I mean, if we take colleges, college sports, let's take college out of it. Sports away from some of these cities, we're not talking about downtown Denver or Boston here. We're talking about tiny places that you Pullman. only know of because of college. Mm -hmm. What is Columbia Station without the school there? Yeah. And what, Michigan, like, what is Oklahoma, it? Oklahoma, all of them. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're right. So, I mean, I these college great. kids are propping up not the school. The school is just a bunch of buildings. These college kids are propping up this city that has a holiday in there because people's parents come to visit right. this city that had workers come and make a new stadium, bring a new weight room, uh, bring drugs, bring booze, bring bars. All of this is here because of football and basketball, yep. football and basketball, college football and basketball are keeping the mid to low level American cities. I'm not calling them low level uh, population level, keeping them afloat. And I spend a lot of time in Louisville you know better than me, Billy, the two cities you named, brother, Syracuse and Louisville, the, the, the players there are not college. They are gods. They're more than gods. Play. And you gods. know, for the, for the argument, the people that say 
that, oh, well, this these guys, they'll just go to the NBA and make their money or just go to the NFL and make their money. Not a very small percentage of these guys go to the NFL and NBA. You look at look at Syracuse real quick. My guy, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, he went on to the league and made millions. There's another guy there who you may or may not know named Jerry McNamara. Jerry McNamara, 2003, won a national title. Jerry yeah, McNamara is the mayor of Syracuse. <laughs> Everybody and their grandma has Jerry McNamara uh, a gear. You know how much money he made off that? Zip. Yeah, there's something no. wrong, and he didn't go to the NBA. There's something wrong with because that. there's these guys that they peak in college. Like, I mean, Tebow is like kind of an example. Yeah, he made a little bit in the NFL, but like he would have made. You're right, he would have made more than any NFL person. Like, gotta and, pay these people. And then it's but the other thing, the other factor is now you're given. I mean, it's bad enough when you're given these million, uh, these NFL kids, you know, millions of dollars at 21, but now you're gonna get millions at 18. I think about I mean, that a lot. about you guys, but if you give me a million dollars when I was 18, I mean, I would be dead in like six months. Like, I mean, how much does that kid that opens up gifts on YouTube make a year? Like 19 million? Is <laughs> he still alive? For like eight or whatever? Sorry, yeah, they, they, he has his own uh, toy line. Isn't like his dad taking all that money? There's a, there's a ton of like eight-year-olds that are multi-millionaires. My son, my youngest son who's on the spectrum, he watches videos and I'm like, there's like some weird kid. And he's like, got 14 million views. Like, dude, people are making dough. The only people so you see terrible. that are making, that are not making, the only people, I, you can make this argument. The only people that you see ever on any television and almost on any social media platform that are not making money are college athletes. Everybody else that you see, you see a dog in an Alpo commercial. That dog is getting paid. <laughs> yeah. yeah Everybody true. voiceover for the stupid yeah. Geico th- millions. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, Al, you sound like a guy that knows pretty knowledgeable about sports and stuff. Go down it. to Southern Texas. You go down to parts of Kentucky with basketball. You go down to Florida. We don't really have it here in Arizona, but when does this shift to high school sports because you know how big high school sports is you go to central texas oh, on a friday shit. night yeah. they got twenty five thousand people at a freaking high school that's game. their their varsity quarterback let that's me tell the next you, thing You're he's got them. The, he's got the hottest girlfriend and he's got a uh, uh, more power in that town than than probably the mayor so when do they start playing high school athletes that's next oh that's scary yeah, i mean it's just like it well the, we figured out how to play high school athletes if they play football and work at the car wash sure so take the car wash away and just give them what they, they look. Anytime Pizza Hut is advertising during anything that you do, they should be paying you for that. They're paying you because whatever you're doing is bringing eyeballs in, whether you're a kid opening up gifts or you're a guy that can dunk on the center for the Milwaukee Bucks. If people want to look at that, we figured out a way to monetize that for everybody but college athletes. And guys, I have to pee so bad I cannot talk anymore. Okay. Keep talking. I'll be right back. That's okay. I had to rehydrate Chuck. No, that's all right. Thanks for st- thanks for coming anyway. So he'll be back. Um, this will be a quick topic. I'm sure there won't be a lot of uh, comments about this. So in July, I think we're July now. Uh, the Delta wave came from from COVID. Remember COVID? That's a that's a big thing. We're probably going to get this uh, Was video. That the thing with the mask thing. Yeah. So oh, then uh, the masks are back. The CDC says that. Because of the Delta variant, uh, vaccinated people need to wear masks. And uh, and then also in July, Biden said that uh, federal employees must get vaccinated. So they did a vaccine mandate. So there's all sorts of issues with this stuff, but uh, I'm sure it's been talked about to death. But I am curious to get your guys' opinions on what you think about COVID, what you think about vaccine mandates, masks. And like, is there any end in sight to any of this? Because I'm just so sick of all of it. 
Well, I'm going to, I'm going to defer to West coast here because uh, I've got a radio show to do. And uh, this is still a pretty hot topic and I'm not trying to get canceled. Okay. I have Let's get canceled, West Coast. What do, what do you what do you have to say? Yeah, I got nothing to lose. So, um, you know, I and I don't need any sympathy or anything like that. I'm all right, but um, I just lost my aunt to COVID actually, and I th- it was the Delta. I think it, Michigan was going through a crazy wave, and yeah. uh, she yeah. had every Sorry comorbidity. Thank you. Um, oh. She she had every comorbidity, and she got the vaccine. She got the vaccine, but not the booster. So that she was like on the very end of her vaccine scale. Um, she had not been wearing a mask. Ah, gosh. I, and I'm, my family won't hear this, but, um, you know, you had to do the whole iPad thing and watch your pass through the iPad. I think that the Delta was, that can kick some people's ass, but it's still, you fall in line with it all. She had all the comorbidities that would have taken somebody out. Yeah. Um, I, what, what gets me is I don't know how this is ever going to end. And even like somebody like me, you know, I'm, I'm in the dating world and dating is so hard. Everything is hard now. And I don't see an end to this. And uh, it feels a little bit hopeless at this point. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know what? What what, what are you going to do except for put on a mask because you're not going to be able to get on an airplane. Uh, you're not going to be able to do anything. Especially if I don't, I don't have a job yet. Um, and you know, if you're gonna, if you want to get any type of job, uh, you're probably going to have to be fully vaccinated and be able to prove that. So, I think I'm at the whim of the powerful people. Um, whether I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to what, who to go with. I think that for most of us, if we get it, we'll be okay. And I think we have to get back to the way things are, but really I'm just confused. Like everybody else. I really don't know what the fuck is going on. Matthew, where do you live? I live in Seattle. Okay. So that's part, that's what I thought as part of the reason, I think why you're feeling more anxiety. I was in, I was in Seattle covering a story that with the, the, the chop Chaz zone, the whole thing. So I was up there um, and I know Chuck has ties to Seattle and to Washington. I think part of the reason why you're Feeling this anxiety for better or worse is because uh, guys like us here in Arizona, Chuck and I, I you can sp- speak up, Chuck, but almost back to normal. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, pretty much back to normal. I mean, uh, I'm covering an event this weekend. There's going to be 10, 15,000 people there. Um, then I go to a place like, you know, the state of Washington and it's still triple mask, triple vax, triple. Da, 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 da. So I'm not saying which one's right, which one's wrong. Time will tell the numbers will play out, but uh, there's, there's choices, right? I mean, I, I got friends that live overseas and they can't leave their country. And what their federal government says is the, the, the law here, you can go to Florida, mm-hmm. you can go to Arizona, you have choices. Well, that's my point. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like, it's just such a, a divisive topic because I think you saw people's personalities come out during this pandemic and people either got really scared and triple masked and triple vaxxed and did, you know, they just, they didn't leave their houses. They were freaked out. And then you saw people who the complete opposite that thought it was a, it was a hoax and then it wasn't even real. I mean, you said, and everything in the middle. So, and I think, yeah, it's different in, in different States. I've traveled to different cities and I've seen different rules, but even within Phoenix, I mean, it's different. Like I went to a concert the other day and you had to show, your vaccine card to get in or a negative COVID test. And so then, you know, I get in there and I'm like, okay, well, everybody should be pretty okay. Cause they either had a negative COVID test or at least they have the vaccine. And you saw people in masks standing 40 feet away from the stage or any person, even though everybody had a vaccine card and everybody had, or a negative COVID test, they were still 40 feet away with a mask. I mean, that's, so that's like, it's just extremes. And I, I was saying yesterday on my other 
a podcast where we talked about it was a music one. And I said, maybe you need like two sections at concerts, like one where it's like, okay, you got to wear a mask. You got to have a vaccine. And then one is the other section. That's the free for all. But here's the the thing. It's proven that even if you're vaccinated, you can still pass the virus and get the virus. So we can play this lesser symptoms and and such. So, right. But I think the other thing that I was going to bring up is just, that I think uh, the only person I've heard talk about this, I mean, I've watched both news channels and stories or whatever and sides, but they don't really talk about, I didn't see any of the news channels covering this portion. The only person I've heard talk about this was Joe Rogan, where he said, isn't this kind of like a wake up call to the country? Like, Hey guys, like maybe we need to get healthier. Like, because if this thing hits you and you're not in the best health that you could be in, it's going to kick your ass. And so maybe that, that could be a thing to be like, Oh shit. Like, I could get the, if I get this COVID thing, like I, it's going to kick my ass. So I better start getting in shape, better start eating better so that if I do get COVID, cause I think personally, I think, I think everyone is going to get it. I think it's going to pass or I don't think you can stop it. You can mask and you can lock down and you can get vaxxed. I think it's unavoidable. I mean, unless you're literally just never going to leave your house, then yeah, you'll, you'll probably never get it. But I don't think that's realistic. I think even with it, cause like Billy said, even with a vaccine, you're still going to get it. So I, I obviously get the vaccine, especially because, it, you know, you're not going to die or lesser chance of dying if you get the vaccine. But here's Chuck trying to stay on YouTube. I'm trying to stay on YouTube. Yeah. Don't pick me off. No, I mean, I'm vaxxed. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right thing. I hear people say, don't do it. We don't know the long-term effects. I got the Johnson Johnson. So it's just, it's basically the dead virus. So it's like, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's okay. But I don't know. I just listened to my doctor. He said, do it. I was like, okay, well, you're a doctor. I'm not. So did That's your doctor advise you to get the uh to to get an mRNA one like the Moderna or the Pfizer to go with your Johnson Johnson? I don't like Pfizer. I've I, it's like uh, I have well I won't say who it is but I I know somebody who's like they do not want to get the vaccine because they took some uh drugs that Pfizer, you know, made and uh, they had a bad experience and so he told me he's like basically I'm not getting this for spite because he just right. doesn't want to get it. Because he doesn't try. And there's a lot of people that are like that, that don't trust the pharmaceutical companies. Well, so. I'd like to do a little uh, informal poll here. You know, whether if you feel, feel like you can share, I'm vaccinated. I'm not boosted yet. Uh, I might or might not get boosted. I don't know. I, 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 I want to get my antibodies tested first. Point being, yeah. that's number three. Okay. Six months from now, we're here doing this podcast again. Number four, three years from now, what are we on? Shot number nine? 10. If this thing is not going away, and if you if you talk to virologists, hopefully it will start to diminish and not be as strong. But if it's not going away, how many freaking shots of this vaccine are you going to pump into your body, number one? And number two, these companies are not non-for-profits. They're yeah. making huge, huge profits. Look at Pfizer stock. They're going to want to, I mean, look, whether they're bad actors or not, I don't know. I'm not going to say that right now, but they're going to want to keep pumping stuff out and more vaccine to keep us safe. Are we on shot 14? You just say American people say, you know what? That's enough. I think it's going to be more like the flu is what I'm, I'm, I'm hearing is that it's going to be every year. You're going to get a, need to get a, a recipe that they think will combat that. That's strain fine. Of it. I was comfortable getting mm. the initial vaccines. I would like to ask the three of you, how many times are you going to allow them to jab you before you start questioning what is really behind all this? And do I really need seven vaccines? Well, I, and it's an interesting point because I just saw uh, Trevor Noah on the from The Daily Show. He got kind of like uh, in trouble because he's, he started questioning like, 
because the CEO of Pfizer's came out and said, we need more boosters. And he's like, oh, I'm sure, you know, we should believe this guy. And so I don't know. That's interesting to see. I think it's a valid question. People starting to question. I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm just going to I'm going to try to defer to my doctor. And if YouTube's listening, that's yeah, what I yeah. advise everyone to do. Yeah, I, I mean, so, yeah, we'll let the, you guys the, speak, though. I was going to say I'm I'm pretty close, not that I'm a doctor, but I sit across from one every day, uh, which has really helped me with the pandemic. We have um, a cardiologist that's been with uh, been with our show since this happened. And she's been nothing short of a godsend because, you know, we we can kind of sit here and talk about covid now and it won't kill you. And but like when it first happened came out and no one knew anything. I remember calling her and asking, can we walk the dog? Because I didn't know if it was like airborne. Remember people saying eight yeah. feet? And we didn't know I anything. I remember going to get my mail and putting gloves on to get my yeah. mail because- Washing your groceries. Stuff. Yeah. Was it was a- death. Yeah. So like what, what she said today is, and uh, Chuck, you hit it on the head when you said it's becoming more like the flu. It's like, you think about like what the Spanish flu did it took out on um, basically what a third of the world's population. And then now if Chuck goes, I have the flu, I'm not saying I'll never see him again. It's like, Oh, I'll be sick. <laughs> you know, it just like eventually uh, what she was saying is it turns, it goes from a pandemic to an endemic where it's just kind of like a, a, a less and less um, the strain is less virulent. So as some, I went to graduate school for biomedical sciences. And if I remember my virology class, the the best diseases are the ones that can occupy the host but not kill it at least long enough for the host to spread it and if you notice like uh the covid has become less and less deadly but way more spreadable and they're saying this this omicron variant is just like it spreads like wildfire but if especially if you're vaxxed and or boosted it's not going to kill you and really i don't think they want to say it because I don't feel like they know, but I think they're just they're just trying to get the message out. Like, look, just if you're not going to get the boosters and stuff, fine, but just get vax so you don't come to the freaking hospital. Well, they don't want people to go to the hospital, especially if you have the comorbidities, if you're over whatever the age, you know, as you get older, it gets more risk. But I mean, I see people that are 50 and over and they're like, I ain't getting that vaccine. I'm like, Dude, what do you do? Like, I'm worried about them. These are people that I know that I'm I'm very concerned for them. They're not in the best of health and yeah. they should get the vaccine and they are vaccine anti anti vaccine. And I, I think, I mean, I think you got to look at the, you got to weigh your options in terms of uh, numbers and statistics. And if you're over 50 and you're overweight and you have diabetes, like you're playing with fire and I don't think it's going to end well. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 scary. And I mean, as somebody, I was pre med, so all my friends are either comedians or doctors. All my ex girlfriends are doctors. I'm a homeboy. My roommate in college is a doctor, and I was zooming with him three months ago. And you know, he was just like a couple hours before our zoom, he was at the. I mean, he's still in his scrubs and everything. He was like, I was talking to a guy about getting vaccinated, who was telling me that he didn't think COVID is real, while his brother was dying in the room that we were talking next to, you know, like we have to wrap our head around the fact that there is no more talking. People have made their decision for the most part. I don't think there's a lot of people on the margins, maybe the first couple of months, but at this point we just kind of present them the information to people and they're going to do with it what they are. Amen. If you're going to constantly get boosted, you will. If yeah. you're going to get the vaccine and nothing else, that's what you do. If you're not going to do anything, you're not going to do anything. So, right. just, so like, then do you, are you pro or anti-vaccine mandate? Because I feel like the vaccine mandates, 
I don't think they're effective. So what happens is they say, if you want to work here, you have to get the mandate. So all these people just quit. And then now the company is struggling to fill that position. And then also the person that quit didn't get the vaccine. So I don't really think it's really going to accomplish unless, I don't know, I guess eventually these people have to get a job somehow, right? I don't know how that's going to, maybe maybe it will work in the long run. I don't know, but it seems controversial. Do you think that part of this, just part of it at least, is like the greatest sales pitch of all time on behalf of the vaccine companies? Just as far as the money being made and all that, I mean, I'm not saying that the vaccines don't work, but right, right, right. there has been hundreds of billions of dollars that these companies have brought in. And I, I can only imagine that there were some sales involved in that. Um, Maybe a little. Yeah, I don't know. But is it more than what they brought in with Viagra and opioids <laughs> and Claritin? I think and- in, in this period of time, in such a short period of time, and again, like uh, you weren't here for this. I just lost somebody to COVID. So I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. Right. Yeah, of course. But as far as the attack on like ivermectin, how blatant that was um, when it's relatively a safe drug, whether or not it works against COVID, um, but it's cheap and it's generic, like all of this stuff. I think looking back on this, I do think some of these companies saw crazy earning potential. And they were like, okay, we got to capitalize on this right now. Since when does the mass population of Americans and the mainstream media and the politicians trust pharmaceutical companies? When did that happen? It happened. It happened because we were under an emergency, a health emergency. And these vaccines came out with pretty good numbers, really good numbers in the beginning, actually, right? Remember, there's like upwards of 89, 90%. We thought that everybody needed them. They were probably right. I think to Al's point, it kept a lot of people out of the hospital. I think at the end of the day, remember 14 days, 15 days to flatten the curve. It was always about flattening that curve to keep the hospitals at bay. Well, at this point, guys, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to be trusting these pharmaceutical companies for the rest of my life. And when I'm on shot number 27, I might say, you know what? Enough is enough. That's just my own opinion. And that's just his opinion. So don't cancel my YouTube channel. <laughs> YouTube is listening. Yeah, well, I'm saying shot 27. That's way okay. down the road. Yeah. I'm probably going to get number three. I mean, I'm going to get to the first 26. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I mean, it's show. just, you know, you know, and I, I know we got to move on, but I'll just say this. Like, I, you know, I know people are saying, well, where is this going to go? And like, how does this going to affect you in like 20 years? I'm like, yeah, my first thought, like when I had like a monster energy drink for the first time, I was like, what's the effect of this long term? <laughs> Like, have you, what is, what is that jar of chemicals? Like what, like no one questions like the other stuff that we consume and like, you you know, people put, and maybe we should sunscreen on. I I think we should, we should question those things. I I think the FDA should crack down. And I think, I think the FDA should be stricter about what they approve, what they don't, or just be more transparent. And uh, you know, I just keep seeing, what is the latest thing I saw? Uh, One of the, it's kind of scary because I, I sometimes have a acid reflux. So I take antacids and one of these antacid, they found out it causes cancer and there's this big lawsuit. And it's like, and it was, an which one is it? Antac- so let us know. <laughs> Allegedly. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it, they've taken it off the market and, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's scary stuff. I, I trust, I would like to be able to trust our FDA to, to do a good job. And I, I hope that they have everyone's best interests at heart, but I have seen a lot of examples in the past where all the, I mean, every how many times you turn on your TV, especially when I'm watching daily blast live, cause there's a lot of those daytime commercials. They're like, if you've been to, you know, if you took this drug and you had an adverse effects, call this number. And it's like, it's sad, man. That's sad too. That's as sad as people dying from COVID or getting 
uh, adverse effects from COVID. So I think what's one thing that's free that's not the pharmaceutical companies aren't going to be- benefit from is a uh, exercise, eating healthy, those things. Those are, those are all good things. That'll benefit you either way. Yeah. It's uh, but it's, those take too long and they're not fun and <laughs> it's easy to fall off the wagon and people don't want that. And so like, uh, that's why the diet industry since the beginning of time is so popular because everybody's like, what do I have to do to not get on the elliptical? Eat three grapefruits a day, done. Like people will do weird stuff because people don't like eating healthy. People don't like, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think food takes the place of a lot of things in people's lives. And the weight that's put on from food is not just like, oh, uh, Chuck gained a hundred pounds. He he must be a lazy person. I, I would look, if you gained a hundred pounds, the next time I saw you in like two years, I'd be like, he must have experienced some kind of trauma or some kind of economic trauma or something like that. And I think like when we start to look at like what we put in our bodies, we never question like why you had to put that in your body. Cause I was a broke comic and I know what rallies to cheeseburgers for $5, like how that will get you to the next city. Yeah. And so cheap food gets you, keeps you alive because you can't buy organic grapes because they're fucking $19. <laughs> so I, I kind of, I get, why people are fat, but it's so many different reasons as to why, you know? No, it's definitely like food it, deserts and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there, yeah. there's definitely some psychological stuff going on. And also I just think it's, it's an issue that's not um, talked about enough that I, I feel like people should, that's why, that's why I bring it up. Cause I think it's something to, to look at. I need to be better myself. God, it, at Chick-fil-A today, it was terrible for me, but God, it tastes so good. It's just, and they're, they're so nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, thing. Yeah. Uh so now moving on. Uh we got to talk about Dave Chappelle. That was a big story the they call it transphobic comments and uh there was some backlash. But so I'd heard about this and I was like, "Oh god, I got to watch this special before they take it off the air." And I watched the special and first of all, Dave Chappelle is one of the greatest if not the greatest stand-up comedian of all time. He's hilarious. I think he's brilliant. And, uh, and I think personally from watching the special, I think he has a really good heart. I think he's a good person. And I think a lot of people don't know the, the real story that he told in this special about how he worked with a trans, uh, trans, uh, comic and had the trans comic open for him. And so I think he was like taking her under his wing. And I thought that was like really nice. And then people, you know, there was backlash and stuff. So I don't know. It was just a, interesting after reading the news and then actually seeing the special, I was like, Oh, I didn't know that part of the story that he took the trans person on the road or to do a few shows with him and was trying to help out. And I mean, did you guys see the special? What'd you think? I, I saw the special. Yeah. Um, and Al, do you want to go first? No, no, no. I want to hear your thoughts. I know what my, I'm bored with my thoughts. I want to hear yours. <laughs> Thank you. Um, with Chappelle, he said first, right out of the gate that this was going to be sort of his exit stage, right. For a little bit. So he's going to, after this special was over, he was going to take a, a break and he, he kind of, to me, I, I perceive that as he was going to take a long break. And I think that, you know, if you're going to leave for a while, I would assume your performance is going to be a little more rounded than it was a little more well-rounded than it was. The only thing I could think of when I was watching the special was that the trans community was living in his head rent free. Cause he, he spent the whole hour talking about it. And that's fine, I suppose, unless you're Dave Chappelle and you have so many incredible opinions that you've shared through all of your different specials and you know, just from every different corner of the world and, and culture. And then his final crescendo or whatever it is, 
it's all about one specific subject that, yeah, and there's so much going on in the world that I want to know about, that I want to hear what he has to say about, but it was all just on one specific thing. And for that reason alone, I was disappointed in this special. Hmm. Um, I mean, was I incredibly outraged? No, but I don't think I'm the type of demographic that would be incredibly outraged by what he was saying. I was left disappointed because there's just so much going on in the world that he didn't touch on. Um, and well, that's he's got really a lot of other specials, though, and he'll probably have more. So. But this was his last cherry on the top as, as, as far as what he was saying, though. So that's why I think oh, I, I expected more perspective. Yeah. I think we should all probably defer to to Al on this one, the only comedian on the show today. But, you know, I'll just be frank with you. I'm so sick of cancel culture. I'm so sick of this wokeness. I'm sick of it all. I respect your opinion, West Coast. If you didn't like the content, you didn't like the, the special, you didn't like the show, great. That's that's your choice as a fan, as a consumer of comedy. If you can't get on stage and do your art and express yourself the way you wrote it, the way you feel it in that moment, then we have a real problem here. He was not inciting violence. He was not inciting a riot. That was his art. If you didn't like it, that's fine. Go on Twitter, do whatever. But if you're trying to cancel him or anybody for the way they express themselves, we have a real problem in our culture. And I'm just, I could puke. I'm so sick of it. I'm just done with it. So Matthew, were you, you weren't offended though. You just were disappointed because you wanted more. No, Billy, is that how you think I came off? No, no. I'm saying you have the right to be disappointed or not like his bits or not like the topic that he chose. But nobody has the right to try to cancel him and make sure Dave Chappelle doesn't do another Netflix special or make sure he can't come to Phoenix, Arizona and sell out a 20,000 seat arena. Well, to I mean, me, that's where you got to yeah. draw the line. If you don't like it as a fan, great. Yeah, well, I think that's all he's saying. You're, you're no, not, not saying, yeah. I'm, ta- I'm talking about our culture in right, general. Right. I'm not talking about math. But I don't think that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's, it's anyone on this uh, group. And I don't think, I think it's like such a small... It's like, I think we've always had crazy people in the world, but now they have a voice because well, they have Twitter. I, I want to get Al's take on it. Okay. My yeah, only I'll... point was I'm not attacking Matthew. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're you, kind of attacking him. No, if you no, no, no. I didn't take it like that at all. I didn't I, take I, it like I that either. I just want to clarify. If you don't like it, that's fine. But you can't cancel the guy's career. because I don't think he wants to cancel. Ex- expressing himself. A lot of people do want to cancel. No, I know. I agree. Yeah. Go no. ahead, Al. Go ahead, Al. It, 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 look, man, I... Uh, just hearing both of you guys takes just makes me so happy. First of all, Matthew, that you watched it and you didn't like it and you're okay with that. Cause that's okay too. It's okay to not like something, especially art where if you went to an art museum and it was just a white canvas with a black dot and everybody's like, that's the best thing ever. You're like, I don't get it. I don't care for that. Other people would be like, I'm going to live my life based on that. It's interpretation. It's art. And there's this weird part of me that like, because I was a stand-up fan before I was a stand-up. The idea of me being a stand-up comic was ridiculous. would have been ludicrous to young Al. I just love the art form. And there's a weird part of me that's happy that like Carlin and Pryor are gone. So they didn't have to, we didn't have to watch Richard Pryor give some weird apology on TMZ <laughs> on the sidewalk. Exactly. You know, just somebody harass oh. some some 20-year-old blogger making George Carlin apologize. You know, man, as I sit here and I listen to uh, people go back and forth about language, like I was one of those guys, I used to memorize stand-ups acts, like whole albums. And I remember uh, Carlin had a bit, oh, I think it's on You Are All Diseased, but I'm not sure. But he talks about language and euphemistic language 
and how it hurts. And he's, he talks about he uses the example of uh, PTSD. He says in World War One, it was called shell shock and they didn't like that term. So in then World War Two, they called it battle fatigue. And then, you know, after that, they gave it a, a more mundane language. And he was like, because the language didn't, he was like, shell shock makes you think like, oh my God, this person needs help. Where battle fatigue seems a little bit like, okay. But we see now when you change the language and you get mad at the language, but don't change the behavior, we're now in 2021, where half of our nation's homeless are former soldiers because they didn't get that help they needed, because that's hard to make sure that all those soldiers get that help that they need. It's easy to go after language. It's easy to cancel Kevin Hart about a tweet that he sent 11 years ago that had a, a gay slur in it when everybody used to talk like that. I listen to old hip hop albums and the, the, there's language in there that they're not, that's not cool. I know myself for a fact, use that kind of language growing up. That's how people talked. We have, we are evolving human beings, but it seems like some people don't get that deal. It seems like some people, one misstep and they're gone. Like, I don't understand why Dave Chappelle's canceled, but Chris Brown isn't. Chris Brown broke Rihanna's face and he is beloved. You can argue he's more famous than he's ever been. But Kevin Hart, we go back to nine years ago to see a tweet from a young dude of color that probably grew up in a neighborhood where you have to be tough. And the idea of being vulnerable and saying, I love everybody, including my gay brothers and sisters, that could get you really hurt. Like, we don't want to talk about the fact that people are from these places where this language is necessary to show people that you are not a person to be messed with. It almost has nothing to do with gay people, but we don't want to have that nuanced conversation. So we just want to say, you tweeted it. You can't host the Oscars. Do we all feel better? And it's, it's really, it's really disingenuous. And to hear you guys' takes as just like consumers of the art. I, I didn't like it, but I don't want to cancel them. I liked it. It was pretty good. Let's move on with life. But this idea that everything needs to be judged and then burned to the ground and have the ground salted so nothing can grow thereafter. I don't like the direction that that's going. And you're just going to get watered down comedy. You're going to get watered down music and you're going to get watered down art because if you step out anywhere, there's so many landmines. Where do you go? Yeah. No, I love, that's a really good point about being tough. I know I, I never thought of that, but that's a, that's a really interesting point. I, I really, I have never heard that from anyone. It's else. a luxury for me, Chuck. It is, it, it is a privilege for me as a black man to be able to say in a safe way, I, I'm, I, I've trans people that I love that are in my family. I've never had, I've always been a, an advocate of, of the LB, uh, the LGBTQ community. Cause I grew up in a nice neighborhood and I live in a nice neighborhood now and I do okay for myself financially. If I'm down the block and I say, Hey guys, let's have a chat about the LGBTQ community. That might be the the ember that starts the fire where it's like, oh, Al soft. We're going to go take his stuff and see what he does. That's how other parts of the world work. Parts of the world that we don't want to talk about in, in pleasant company. The, uh, the other parts of the world that we've left to die, the rural America and inner city in America, that's how people talk because that's how they have to talk to survive. And until we're ready to have that conversation as a country, all the rest is just 
stuff to fill Twitter. But I they can miss me with that because they don't really mean what they're saying because they've never really had to watch their mouth or there could be physical repercussions for it. Yeah. And Al, well said, man. Well said. Yeah, Actually, I just learned really insightful. I, I learned a lot there. But we started off the conversation with a guy with a microphone on a stage expressing himself, taking swings. And you know better than anyone here, Al. You take swings in comedy. I interview these comedians all yeah. the time. Traveling comedians, big names, small, all of them. You know what? You know what they say? We go off the air. They said, man, I wish I could have told you this on the air, or I wish I could do this bit tonight at the club, or I I wish I could say this on stage. There is a problem when you're going to be canceled in 2021 when when you can say it to me during lunch, but you can't say it to your audience. To me, that's a problem. You're taking, you're, you're watering down the art form. And that's that's the same with music. It's the same with the political commentary. And it's definitely the same with comedy. And shame on us as a culture to be so darn sensitive. Well, what's I think you're seeing what's happening is, um, because I was talking to, to somebody the other day, I think it was Jim Florentine, Florentine. And he I was saying, asking him like, you know, what's the best comedy? And I ask a lot of people this, what's the best comedy you've seen in the last 10 years? And I mean, if you look at the funniest comedies, everything's like 10, 11, 15 years ago. Like there's not a lot of good comedies in the last 10 years. And I think that's because people are scared to make jokes that it might be offensive. But where you are seeing people that don't give a shit is uh, Jim Bob from Oklahoma or whatever that just picks up his phone and goes on TikTok. And then all of a sudden he's got a million followers because he can just say whatever the hell he wants because he's got nothing to lose. He doesn't have a big uh, cable company behind him. corporate bullshit. Yeah. Like I tried so, to say but earlier. it's interesting though. Cause the TikTok. I mean, you're seeing like all these TikTok stars because they have, they don't, they're not getting censored, you know? So it's kind of, it's interesting to see that other side is like this kind of like gorilla kind of co- comedy via TikTok. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put this last little cherry on, on top and, you know, I consider us all artists. And so I'm sure you guys can relate to this, especially as people that use our voice and our thoughts as, a, as, as our medium is like, you don't know sometimes what the impact of your words are going to be. Even if you're trying to be funny as a comic, I have jokes. And when I go to do them for the first time, I'll go to an open mic. I might even go to one tonight, but like, I'll write it down. I'll say, okay, I did Chuck's podcast and this funny things happened. And then West coast said this, and then I thought this, and then that's going to be the punchline. But like in my head, how I'm going to deliver it when I'm in front of people with a mic, you don't know where you, the emphasis is going to be. You don't know where the laugh is going to be. You don't know when you're making a movie. No one goes, hey, let me make the biggest box office bomb of all time. You don't know when you make Star Wars for the first time and the cameraman there's been documented are fucking laughing because Chewbacca is the most ridiculous thing they'd ever seen before it was big but they put it out and it's the most famous movie. You don't know. Yeah. You make this art and you go, here you go. Shoot or shoot. 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 Or shoot. Yeah. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, we should probably wrap up one more story though. This is a big one. This is like fascinating to me. Is, is this is, the grand finale here? Sure. Or unless you guys have some more you want to add, but I, I had to bring up Britney Spears, this whole conservatorship. It's so fascinating. I was such a, obviously I was a fan as a, as a young man, you know, just cause she was like, this was back when like, you know, there was pop stars and she was like the hottest girl and every guy wanted her. And, uh, you know, it's just been a weird, I don't, I don't think I knew the word conservatorship until, you know, this whole thing hmm. with her, but she's been under her, basically the control of her father and now she's freed. But when I see like the videos of her and stuff, there's something in her eyes that just, she looks 
crazy or something. Am right. I, am I crazy for thinking that it's medication? I, it's something looks off She's with medicated. her and uh, I I'm concerned. And I know everybody's like, Oh, she got free. This is so great. Free Britney and all this. And I'm like, maybe she had the conservatorship for a reason. And I'm, I'm kind of concerned, but I don't know. What do you guys think? The trail leading up to this, I think is what I know the best versus all the, you know, ins and outs of what a conservatorship is. But if you pay attention, this goes all the way back um, and you can, you can follow it on Reddit, but there were a lot of people who, when they first started to think that there was something up, they would message her and say, Hey, Brittany, if you're reading this, wear like a white tank top in your next concert. Uh, and then they would, and then she would, and then they'd follow it up. Hey, can you wear polka dot shoes or polka dot pants in this next music video? And she would. So that trail is very interesting to follow. Mm. Um, and who, made the, wait, who, meant these, who the sent fuck? these messages? It was, inter- it was the internet. It was just a bunch of people. It started off just like a snowball rolling down a hill, getting bigger Internet's and bigger and bigger. But Sounds like a Britney start- Spears QAnon thing. Yeah. It, it's, it almost, does. it's almost exactly like how they tracked down um, um, Radio Lab did a feature on Shia LaBeouf. Right. I, I don't remember the exact details, but they tracked down Shia LaBeouf where he planted some flag in the middle of nowhere. And they were able to figure it out using the stars and all this stuff. It's a great radio lap episode. Wow. But, um, the, the, the way that the public figured out she was in trouble, incredible for everybody at home to follow. You know, it, it, hmm. just how the public figures things out as a collective is amazing. Interesting. Well, yeah, tell us, how did they... <laughs> It was literally, it started off like, um, and the, the minute details are wrong here, but they, somebody figured out about the conservativeship. So they posted on like Instagram or Facebook or something. They said, Hey, Brittany, wear this outfit in your next concert. And that'll give us, you know, it'll give us a tip that you're in trouble. And she wore it. And oh, then they followed that up okay. and said, now wear this next outfit in your next music video. And she did that like 10, 15 times. Until people went, there's something wrong. She needs help. We have to help her. It's inc- it's amazing. Huh. She was under that big of a control that she couldn't like. That's weird. I don't. That's the whole story is strange. And there is mental illness on her part. I'm I'm assuming you know the head shaving thing, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, who know? I'm I'm not famous. I don't know what famous people. I'm sure are driven to insanity by the outside world around them. Um. So I don't want to just say she's crazy for doing that. But uh, I think there might be some mental illness on her on her end. Uh, yes, I just absolutely. think this is not yeah. the end of it. I feel like there's something. Is this is just like a ticking time bomb? There's going to be some sort of incident. I don't know if it's going to be as bad yeah. as a head shaving thing, but you I know mean, what? I want to I want to stay positive, and I don't know. Maybe Al, you have some insight into into Britney, but I there's something about Britney that I really love. I don't know what it is. And I'm not, she I'm not, still looks great. No, I'm she not, still looks great. but I'm not even talking about like topless on Instagram or I'm not even talking about musically. I think it's, it's something about, you know, uh, as Americans, when someone gets beaten down, we love that story. Like the mm. Phoenix rises up from the ashes. And I really, I really hope Brittany stays mentally healthy and, and wins this thing. I want to see her like in the next 20 years, just really prosper and develop into this wonderful old lady. I think that would be the coolest story ever. Something about Brittany. I, I don't know. I feel, I, I feel you, Brittany. I feel you, Brittany. If you're watching. I think a lot of people, including myself, I, I, I one of my tweets that did strangely well year five, 10, I don't really tweet that much anymore, but I just, uh, I, I wrote uh, the world be shocked. Uh, how many black men have that song toxic in their top five and a lot of like I first of all that is a sexy song man I love that song and I've always liked Britney um, just because uh, you, you know I, I I dug her music and 
you know, I, as you were talking and I just heard like the love in your voice when you're talking, because people don't have that with celebrities. They like to watch celebrities get drunk and get arrested and, you know, lose their money and whatever. Brittany seems like she's gotten a pass because she's so pure. And it made me think about, uh, you know, my girl and I watch Love on the Spectrum and like we just cheer for them because when somebody's autistic and they don't learn the bullshit that the four of us are saddled with in terms of how to have a conversation with somebody you don't want to have one with, how to act interested in something you're not interested in, they don't have that. And there's a freedom to saying what you want to say all the time. And Brittany seems like she's pure in thought in that she doesn't ever want bad for anybody. She just seems to want very simple things. You don't see her flashing her money around. And I think there's a purity that we all seek and maybe just getting a little closer to her makes us all feel like maybe we're a little bit less full of shit. And that's how I feel when I watch love on the spectrum. I'm just like, I I want to tell somebody I'm not enjoying this. I'm going to leave now. Imagine saying that to somebody <laughs> like the freedom yeah. to just be like, I don't like what you're saying. This is boring. I'm going to go stand here. And then they just stand a foot away <laughs> uh, and don't go, hey, Chuck, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. They don't have that right. mechanism of horseshit. And I, like, imagine how pure your thoughts are. It's kind of like people from the East Coast. Do. Yeah, it's awesome. So I, I definitely get that. I'm sorry to go on and on, but Billy, I thought that was really right. sweet what I you said it. about uh, about Brittany and, and and Matthew. I That makes so much sense about why her fans are so rabid about her. Because if you say anything on television, I learned the hard way about her. They come for you, bro. They come for you, dude. Uh-oh. I got to say something about that Spectrum thing because um, my cousin... And we had a couple of years of incredible friendship. He's off at grad school now in Iceland, um, but he's on the spectrum. And one day I was talking to him about some insecurity I had with the relationship. And I was like, man, I'm really uncomfortable with dating somebody. And for the first time, like watching a movie and, and then having to take a shit like in the same area. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's something that always. It's a real me. thing. I have a joke about that, by the way. I love that, that you that's that lets me know it's a real thing. Go ahead. So <laughs> I was saying this to him. And because of that, that purity that you have when you're on the spectrum, he was like, I don't understand. You have to take a shit. Just take a shit. Isn't she supposed to like you? Is she, what do you think is going to happen? She's not going to want to be with you because you don't want to take a shit. I think she shits too, Matthew. And that purity <laughs> and that simplicity changed my life forever. I fucking love uh, it. It's it's it, it, it. There's I feel like true brilliance is simplicity. I'll never I'll never forget. Like uh, one of my buddies, he's a, he works for Lowe's, but he's uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. He speaks in these very like truncated, like thoughtful sentences but i remember this is years ago but uh it was when uh ben roethlisberger was going through his struggles early in his career when he had been accused of uh sexual assault and he goes al i don't know if you know this but the worst time to be going through a rape case is when you're currently going through a rape case because he got him back to me that's it there's nothing else that can be said about it it's it's like God. It's just like that's the thing. It's the simplicity that makes you that that makes you go. I want to talk like that. I want to yeah. think like that. And the reason that conversation resonated with you is because this thing that you've you're a smart dude, clearly that you've been spinning in your head, different scenarios. What if she smells it? Would she be turned off? He just cut through that and it's like, 
you're humans. This is yeah. something that mammals do and she'll understand or she won't. And I thought that was that's super dope. And it's like, we pile so much shit on that. We forget that the baseline stuff is always right there. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's, that's perfect. Cool. That's cool. Al. Let's let's Very make cool. that the charity. Cause I always end with a charity. I'll make a charity for uh, uh, people on the spectrum. I know. I think, did we, did we use that one on, with one of your episodes? Some, one of you, was it Al or it's me? I, I do work with the Firefly uh, school for autism here in uh, Denver. They're in Lakewood, Colorado. Uh, I've been doing uh, a lot of stuff with them for the last couple of years. Uh, so yeah, that, that'd be great. Okay. Uh, or mercy housing, either one. Okay. I, I work for both those organizations. We'll throw, right yeah, we'll throw that on there. That. Uh, just want to say thanks for, for doing this guys. It was a lot of fun. We got off on a lot of tangents, but I loved it. I love hearing all your guys' opinions. You all have really interesting opinions and, and different takes and I loved it. So thank you. I love you all. Hey, I love you guys. I'll just say this. I don't want to wait another year. So like, I'm cool to like do this more regularly. If you guys are, this is one of the best yeah. conversations I've had fun. in a long time. Oh, that's awesome. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Fun. Wait, I got. I got to end one. One. One thing. I got to say one thing. First of all, uh, West Coast Matthew, you keep saying you're unemployed. I can't imagine that you're unemployed. You're very. You're an intelligent young man. If I you keep do need a job, us. come down to Arizona or some will hook you up. But you're very intelligent, Al. I enjoyed you very much. Very well thought out points. And I just want to give a little kudos to my friend Chuck here because Chuck has grown this podcast. He's got awesome guests on. I almost every week I'm seeing him posting. You've grown a one-man band here, and uh, Chuck, Thank I, you. I have to hand it to you. You do a great job, man. Thank really. you. Great job. All right. Beautiful. Well done, brother. All right, thanks. I'll get this out soon, guys. Hey, Chuck, you're the only person that I'll fight through diarrhea to talk to. <laughs> Straight up. Quite literally. Straight up. <laughs> Merry That's Christmas, how much everybody. I enjoy. Happy you holidays. just went out on the spectrum <laughs> for like a second. I love it. It's great. That was honest. I love it. All right, thanks, guys. Hey, appreciate you guys. Okay, see you later. Well, there it is, the year-end wrap-up, 2021. It's been a crazy year, and not as crazy as 2020, but a wild ride nonetheless. Well, what do you think of these episodes? Did you enjoy it? Let me know in the comments, wherever you're listening or watching, and maybe I'll do more of these types of episodes in the future, or do I maybe just keep it to once or twice a year? What do you think? I'd love to hear from you, and make sure to follow my guests, Billy, Matthew, and Al. I posted their Instagrams in the show notes as well as my own. We're all on there so you can keep up with what we're doing. And again, I will remind you to subscribe to my podcast on YouTube if you have not yet done so. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon. Shoot for the moon.